0: What's going on guys? Welcome to our show. Today we are with Alice Charleston. Yes, I got it right. Yes. Alice, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we met through friends and uh, she, I'm going to say you're a leader at your church. You yeah. can correct me with that. Okay, cool, cool. So we're going to be speaking about the church. Uh, and we're going to focus specifically on like, I'm going to say evangelical church. Um And, you know, as Christians, our our role as Christians to support anti-racism work, why we have to um, care for social justice and beyond that. So that being said, Ellis, thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, no problem. Thank
1: you for
0: having me. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Um, That way people have some context of who you are. and where you
2: are
1: now? Uh, Well, I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Uh, I moved here with my family about four years ago, and we opened up a church. My church is part of an organization, so we opened up a church here in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. I currently am the youth leader at my church. I'm also a poet, um, so I do my own poetry, and i Videos and I do uh, uh, I do spoken words, so I go to open mics every now and then, not as often as I would like to. Yeah, but yeah.
0: Uh, where 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 do you go for that the, for the spoken words? I
1: went. Well, most of my spoken word is gospel based so most of the time it's in different churches and things like that yeah but i did go one time to this really cool open mic in philly and i've never been able to go back because it's so far away
0: yeah but that's so cool i didn't know you were into that stuff i mean i know you were into spoken words, but i didn't know you were actually going to places and doing that um okay so obviously none of this is pre-planned so we're kind of like just going back and forth Tell me a little bit about poetry and, and why you mm-hmm. like poetry, um, because that's intriguing to me. I like poetry as well, but I I'm not a poet a listener yet. Tell me about that.
1: Uh, well, the way it started, I mean, I've always been a writer. Yeah. Um, since I was a kid, or since I learned how to write, I've I've always enjoyed it a yeah. lot and wow. creative writing and wow. just writing short stories wow. and things like that and poetry. Wow. Um, I remember being in a journalism class in high school. And that was like, it was my thing. Like, I just fell in love with writing and poetry and things like that. Um, But I didn't know a whole lot about spoken word or at least like gospel spoken word, just Christian poetry and things like that. And then I went to this church in Brooklyn a while back, back in like 2014. And they played a video of poem called almost saved by ezekiel azanro and that was like a a turning point for me it was just like oh my god (laughs) we can do this in the church um (laughs) so i just kind of picked it up from there i started watching p4cm videos it's a passion for christ movement um i got really into jackie hill perry who's My favorite poet of all time, Mm. um, genetics and Ezekiel and Joseph Solomon and things like that. So I was really into that until I just, um, and I never really thought about writing it myself and performing it until we had a talent show at my church (laughs) and I was just going to recite one of their poems and the person who was in charge was like, no, no, you have to write it yourself. So that's when I wrote my testimony piece and it kind of just took off from me. Yeah.
0: So how long have you been doing that uh,
1: since 2014 so about six years now okay mm-hmm.
0: do you feel that you like do you feel more comfortable with your writing now and your poetry than you like before do you still feel that like like nervousness I guess of you know getting into it
1: I mean I still get nervous up until the point when I'm on the stage and I think that that goes for everything <laughs> and everyone yeah but. I don't know. I just um it's still nerve wracking. It's I haven't it lost the love for it. There was yeah. a point in my life where I did feel like I kind of lost the wow. passion for it. Um yeah. because I was so involved in the church and in other things. Like I said earlier, I'm a youth leader, so I have to I'm constantly working with young people and yeah. children and working and I'm still in yeah. school. So it's just I got involved in a lot of things, but there was always back
0: of my head like i gotta go back to it like that's my calling that's my thing so. yeah that makes sense and and uh i feel i feel the same way because like when i've done it speeches before and stuff like that it's like be right before i'm actually gonna do it i have yeah. this like like i feel nervous and then when i get to it and actually like do it, it i don't feel like that anymore so it's um it's so one of those things that you wonder: the people who like are doing it, like, do they ever feel like, yeah. nervous? like, <laughs> I, am I the only one? But I guess you know, it's not the case now. All right, so going into the topic of um, social justice and everything that's happening in the world, well, specifically in the you know, United States, you know, as Christians, what do you feel that we haven't done yet that we should be doing more of? And what do you think we are already already doing that we should keep doing?
1: I mean, I think definitely having the conversation as far as far as the church in general, I think here and there the conversation has begun, but yeah. it's so vague and that's not what we need right now. We don't need vague. And we've we've the church has been vague about a lot of things. And I really feel like this is not one of those things that you can just be about like there's no other way of putting it so yeah. I think starting off with having a real deep-rooted conversation about it and just talking to your young people especially because a lot of us are, are kind of like okay I've been in church my whole life and and this is happening right now how does that correlate what am I supposed to do how does that correlate with my life as a Christian and yeah people are kind of just in the air not really knowing what to do so
2: yeah that's a good point
0: mm-hmm. I also think, too, that, um, like, churches have a lot of influence in their communities mm-hmm. and, l- like, they have the power and ability to host th- those conversations. I feel like some churches um, are, are definitely creating that space to happen, but also I think that um, smaller churches should also include those conversations within their communities because... You know, it's not only the bigger church or the you know the, the the mega churches that should be having these types of conversations. Like it should be the you know regular church in the corner
2: mm-hmm.
0: that also should have those conversations as well. And and to me, it's like, what is stopping them from having that conversation? Like what what is the blocking point? Um, because it's, I mean, I guess. For me and I guess for you as well, it's not hard to, you seem to talk about, oh, you know, racism and, and, and all of that stuff and social justice, but it seems like for some people it is harder and, you know, obviously there's empathy for, for that, but in your perspective, though, um, how, do, how do you think that people can, you know, have an easier path or more comfortable path to having these types of conversations? I don't understand the question. Like, yeah, no, I mean, questions. I'll repeat it because it's it's, it's kind of it's complex. Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to say is, how do you think like people can feel comfortable? What what do we need to do to make people in the church within the church to feel comfortable to have these conversations?
1: Um, I think even starting the conversation ourselves, but I think it it all has to do with. The approach of how we approach the conversation yeah, because good. if you just come at church folk with like something that that's not biblical and it's just <laughs> so like in their face, <laughs> they're instantly going to reject it and they're not even going to listen to it. Yeah. So I feel like if if you start off talking like getting into the scripture and just seeking where the Bible talks about injustice and things like that. Yep. I think if we take that approach and just kind of not infiltrate it, but just bring it to modern day. Yeah, I think they'll try to maybe understand it that way and just kind of highlight the fact that although you know the Bible says even though we're not of this world, we still live in this world and we have to. We have we have to live here.
2: Yeah,
0: there's no going anywhere until you actually die. Yeah. Um, But that's a good point, though. I think the approach—I guess it's like something that could make a difference because I can see how when you just come and talk about whatever,
2: yeah,
0: without you know initially in the churches you have to come with some type of biblical base Mm -hmm. to actually get your point across. Because if not, then
2: yeah,
0: you know you're not gonna be. And it's
1: worldly. It's just it's another language.
0: Yeah, which also makes me think. Do you think that it is a mistake in our our side to adopt that type of mentality that, like, we become so religious that we're not able to... When... Like, do you think that it is wrong in our part to become so religious that we kind of, like, almost detach ourselves completely from the, I guess, day-to-day life?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because... Personally speaking, like we can be very closed minded as Christians because we kind of live or we tend to uh, unintentionally sometimes live in our own little bubble. And that's not what we were called to do. Like even as even our the first not commandment, but like what Jesus died for Mm -hmm. was sinners. He didn't come for people that were perfect. Yeah. So if our lives are supposed to be a reflection of how Jesus lived, then we're supposed to follow that example. Like Jesus was constantly mingling with sinners. He was constantly mingling with people who were rejected by the world and things like that. So for us to be in our own little bubble, it's just, it's wrong. Yeah.
0: I completely agree with you on your point. Um I think that for whatever reason, we just miss that. Like, we read it, you know, but when it comes to actually practicing that, and I am yeah. going to be straight up honest with you, um, I feel so uncomfortable when I'm around Christian friends, and they like when there's people who are non-believers around, the the way they act around them, it's it's so like, yeah. can you be more obvious that like that the reaction is like, oh, this person is this way, and I'm this way, like. I just don't. I just can't act like that, and and yeah. it is it bugs me a lot because uh, I've seen it so many times, and I just don't agree with that. Absolutely, you know, and, and I guess I guess it's it's something that eventually, like it's we learn over time mm-hmm. and it, through our experiences and relationship with God. But overall, it's just like it's tough um, to be in that spot where you know that like you have that attitude of judgment
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and people can tell like how can you reach to those who haven't been reached yet if your attitude and your behavior makes you look like you're better or superior we're so
1: selfish with the gospel sometimes like we want to keep it to ourselves and it's like but then we want souls to be saved. So we're contradicting our own selves because it's like, how are these souls supposed to be saved if they don't see Jesus in you? Yeah. Cause you're not hanging around them. All your friends are saved. So the world is just going to stay lost because. Yeah. So.
0: Especially like, so, so with everything that's happening, like I've seen a lot of Christians like falling into this ideology of like, you know, like all lives matter and all that stuff, and it's like, look, we we get it, we mm-hmm. we understand what right. you, your intention. Like, I understand the intention behind it, but you you are missing the point. Like, in in reality, like, not all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Like, if that was the case, a lot of the things that we're seeing wouldn't, wouldn't be there. Be happening.
2: Absolutely.
0: Well, and when we are, you know, when we say, you know, you and I say, "Black lives matter," we're saying that, you know, until their lives matter, then, you know, all lives matter. Yeah. So, so it's you explain it, and still people argue
1: <laughs> because they don't. The thing is, when you try to explain things yeah. to people who are closed-minded and are not. The thing is, when you have a conversation with someone, regardless of what the topic of the conversation is, and yeah. you're about to have a discussion, you're about to have a dis- a debate, if you have a disagreement in something, in order to engage in an intelligent conversation, you have to be open to be wrong. Yes. So you have to have the mindset, like, I'm going to come into this conversation. I have my point of view. You have your point of view. I could possibly be wrong. Yeah the same way you could possibly be wrong but we don't like to do that
0: yeah it, and and you said earlier pride it, it's yeah. so big and and That's recently uh, I I have posted something on Facebook a video about a project that I want to do and mm-hmm. this friend of mine came and he pretty much put things into perspective for me and and like you know was the opposite side of the spectrum yeah. putting things into perspective so I was like, dang it, like, he's actually right. And so I had to go and dig deeper into this project idea. And then finally, I I tapped into what, what I kind of had in mind, but I wasn't able to communicate completely. Um, but anyways, point being is that if he didn't come and tell me, like, basically his perspective,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I will probably have kept going with my own perspective right so we we do need opposition we do need somebody to disagree with us because disagreement means progress you are yeah. able to grow through disagreement if you are willing to admit when you are personally wrong about something
2: sure yeah
0: so now i want i want, I want to ask you in your perspective of You know, when it comes to social justice, I mean, do you think that at some point we're going to be able to reach that like systemic racism doesn't exist anymore? Do you think that this is going to be a never ending battle that we're just going to have to keep pushing through and keep making progress, but it's never going to be to that? like.
1: You know, it's funny because I I literally had this conversation with a co-worker today and she asked me that same thing. Um actually and, I
0: think I know who's a coworker.
1: No. No, maybe I don't.
2: <laughs> no. Never mind.
1: So <laughs> I said I don't think that um it's going to end completely
2: entirely.
1: Because I, I think that it, it might die down eventually, um naturally speaking, but I don't think that it's ever going to end completely yeah. the same way i don't know i just when you pass down hatred yeah there's already a seed there so even i say that it's going to die down because i've seen a lot of change in this generation even though this generation was raised by baby boomers and like racist parents and things like that i've seen that there has been a lot of research done and there has been a lot of like um what you call it like people are just more open-minded yeah. in this generation
2: yeah i agree and i
1: i think that they would pass that down to their children and things like that however there are still a few a number of people who just don't get it who are ignorant or not even that they don't get it they don't want to get it they don't want to understand it yeah. so it's just going to keep getting passed down from generation to generation and that little population of people who are ignorant or that you know medium-sized population people who are ignorant is going to continue to grow and those are going to become our leaders those are going to become mm. our police officers so regardless of how much we try and I'm not saying that's not like a license to stop what we're
2: doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: because if that were the case like we wouldn't be saying like all right this world was gonna end anyway so what's the point so and that that can be the case in in everything in life so
0: that makes sense and I think that um if you look at it from a point of like systemic racism, because I don't know if you have read this, but uh, I, I read many times that systemic racism doesn't mean that there are necessarily racist people mm-hmm. within the institutions and everything, yeah. but the system in itself, the policies and everything else um, is racist, and therefore the system is racist as a whole. Um, And I think, I think, I do think that that can actually change. Mm -hmm. Um, There's always going to be racist people. Yeah. That I do believe. But at least the system, I think that it can be set up in a way that is not...
2: That is beneficial for everyone. You know,
0: that that is beneficial for everyone. But to get to that point, you know, maybe that's way too big of a question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you, what do you think... Will be some like good steps or, or policies that should be implemented in this in, in the system. I'm gonna say um, to in a way end systemic racism. Do you have you ever thought of that? Like, is that something that has crossed your mind
1: or? Um, I don't want to say I, I haven't thought about it. But the first thing that came to mind was the whole trend right now that's going around of defunding the police. I think that could work. And the reason I want to explain it first, because a lot of people think, oh, they're defunding the police. They're taking away its funding and the police are going to be shut down. No, teachers have been defunded, yet we still have teachers. Yeah, Defunding the, the whole idea behind that is to take away the money that the extra money that they're getting from our yeah. from our taxes and things like that, yeah. and implement that into poorer neighborhoods, into like, you know, the community and things like that. Yeah. So I think there's a start there yeah. because it takes away a lot of the power that police officers have yeah. at the moment. And when you think of the system, it's politics, and it the majority, the involved the larger involvement is police officers.
2: Yeah. So yeah, that makes it sense. Starts there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I also have said that um, I think police police officers should also have like sociology classes.
1: I think they should get more education. Yeah, like they yeah. should
0: get more education because it's like they don't. Like I think it's just six months to go to the police academy, and you're just you're good to go. Um, but they should receive definitely at least ongoing education. So they could be in the field and working, but also have to have some type of training um, throughout, you know, their work right. time or it's whatever. The
2: same thing with attorneys.
0: Like, yeah, like, you know, doctors never stop learning. Yeah. Attorneys are always learning as well. Like, there's a lot of those, like, specific fields that you have to keep updating yourself.
2: Yeah.
0: Because you can't assume that you already know everything. Because laws change. Yeah. So. Yeah. and And... I mean the the what is sad what what is sad is that a lot of people still don't believe that the systemic racism is real they don't think that it's real they think that that like maybe before you know maybe before yeah but you know what i found like i've watched interviews and videos of like back in the day when actually like it was super obvious that racism was like a thing mm-hmm. and they had the same argument yeah oh no it's just you guys you guys are the problem you're the reason why you can't oh yeah and oh, yeah. i'm like wait they used to mm-hmm. say that then and we're still saying that now
1: absolutely nothing has changed it just has a different it just has a different um cover. Uh-huh. It's the same exact thing and people mm-hmm. refuse to see that. And that's what bothers me so much because so. it's like choosing to be ignorant. You're choosing not to see what's right in front of you.
0: Yeah. I, w- I really wonder I really wonder how can, like I just don't understand how can someone have the information right in their faces and still don't believe that it is real
1: it's the same thing like if you think about it it's it's almost like the gospel because there are a lot of people like, when you're when you're saved yeah you think like how could you not be saved like it's right there it's right in front of you but people choose to be blind like you it's like you're You were blind once, and someone takes away, and someone gives you back your vision, but you're holding your hands in front of your eyes.
2: Yeah. That's what's happening.
0: Yeah. How do you think your poetry can help people become aware?
1: Well, I've been working on a piece called Jesus and Justice for about a month now. And the whole reason why it's been taking me so long to work on it is what I had said at the beginning about um, the approach and how we approach certain things. And for people to... In order for people to be able to understand... In order for people to be able to understand your point of view, you have to be able to speak their language. So you have to be able to kind of just introduce it in a way and educate them in a way that it's it's loving and it's not like i'm coming at your neck right now yeah so and i think it's it's going to be a piece that kind of it, it says it in the title jesus and justice and it combines that and it shows us why we need to fight for injustice so
0: yeah yeah, that's, that's good. Now, how long do you usually take going
1: it? <laughs> <And, and> normally <laughs> That's the thing. It normally does not take me that long. Like, I can write something in a week or okay. or like I can think of something and throughout the week I'll be thinking about, about it. And it doesn't, I'll have like little bits and pieces of it here and there. Yeah. And then it doesn't like take form until I actually sit down, and put everything together in two or three days.
0: Have you ever put something out that then you see again, or read again, or listen to it again, and then you're like, that's that's not good enough?
1: Always. (laughs) Consistently. Every single time. And it's like, I'm not, I'm my own biggest critic. Mm. And I think that goes for every creator, every person that like is is a leader and things like that. So I'll, I'll, I don't like to rewatch my stuff. Like if I if I perform it, I don't like to rewatch it. If I like record it for other people to see, like yeah. a whole video, I'll re- I'll watch it. That's fine because I edit it myself. Yeah. But if people like record me performing, I can't watch it. I just I don't like watching it cuz I'm like, "Ah, I screwed up there. This could have been better." So
0: Yeah, it's uh, literally the story of my life. It's yeah. it's and I asked you because I know for me it's like uh crap like
2: yeah
0: <laughs> dang it i know like, a, like it's very really cringy
2: like,
1: yeah <laughs> it is it's like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah people really like it <laughs> what? exactly exactly
0: um but i guess it's something that at the end of the day we we see it a specific way but people see beyond that yeah. and i'm starting to learn how to like you know for the longest time growing up i you think people have a specific perception of you but they mm-hmm really have another perception of Absolutely. you and then you when you know how people genuinely see you then you're able to or like your content and stuff then you're able to understand why they can appreciate it you know especially when they're not the ones putting in the work and they don't know the amount of time that it takes right um do you ever think that you're gonna be like creating like some type of book or something like that about uh your poems
1: yes I actually, that has always been in the back of my head, and and it's always been something that I always joked about, like oh, I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna write a book, but I'm dead serious. Like one of these days, I'm just gonna come out with a book, and it's gonna be really like random. Yeah, and I don't know if because, like I said, I started off writing short stories and just like random creative writing and things like that. So I'm not a hundred percent sure whether or not it's gonna be a full-on poetry book. Yeah because um, my poetry is not really something that you read. It's more like spoken. It's more something that yeah. you perform. So,
0: yeah. you know, people don't know how hard it is like to actually like the creative writing.
1: Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, I, in my I craft write it, and uh, it's like how do people come up with these ideas? You yeah, know? like it's yeah. it takes a lot of uh, for me at least brain power to actually like imagine something that like especially if it's fiction or something like that so i don't know if your stories are your short stories it's, before were fiction, fiction. Yeah. yeah is it like a lot of like crazy stuff or is it like my... i don't
1: i mean i was a kid i was a teenager yeah. <laughs> like, back when so <laughs> it was really like i don't know yeah. i don't know it was like high school
0: stuff so
2: yeah
0: do you have a point that you really really like that you're like that, you, that that that's one that you are wow, like, I like that.
2: Um,
1: I like all my poems to be honest. Okay, okay. Now, um, my favorite of mine, uh, ooh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's my testimony piece because it's the first one that I actually wrote and performed. Um, and it's really just it's really it's me. It's just telling my story. So. Can can you perform it? Oh my, not right now. <laughs> 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 I knew it's not on my Instagram. It's so.
0: funny. Okay, there you go. I'm gonna put a link <laughs> that way people can, can go and, and do it. I had to ask. I had to ask. <laughs> I wasn't gonna let it go without asking. But um, you know, it's I simply. So i one of those I like, like, and I've done this before where I, where I f- like I put people in the spot, but I, I don't I don't put I don't I don't I'm not pushing that aspect. Now that being said. Um, I think the last question I want to ask you is if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to yourself?
1: Um, oof. I would give myself a lot of advice. <laughs> um, I think something that I learned recently is that, um, you're not alone. There are a lot of people that are going through the same thing that you are going through. So stop caring and focusing so much on other people's perception of you or what you think other people think of you. Yeah. So
0: I love that. Because a lot of people do struggle with that. Um and it's sad. Like I mean, I have. You know, it's not like I'm saying that I haven't. I have. Um, but I also can see like once you can get out of once you can get out of it. Yeah. Um, and then look back and see like Wow, that was a bad
2: time in life.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's not like that anymore. So that being said, um, is there any specific place people should go and find you?
1: On my Instagram at LS.charles with two S's.
0: Perfect, perfect. Awesome awesome. Well there you go guys. Well make sure you follow her, um and watch her um uh, spoken words and you know if you have uh, an idea i guess you can reach out to her and give her your idea maybe she will do something about it so that being said thank you guys and i'll see you until next time
2: peace